Hello and welcome to the Modern Wellbeing Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wright. Join me for solo episodes and conversations with special guests on all things wellbeing, plant-based nutrition, and living a life as your highest self. If you're ready to expand your mind, learn, be inspired, and hear from thought leaders from across the globe, you have come to the right place. I'm so excited to have you here, so let's dive in. This is episode five with nutritionist Courtney Paul. Courtney is a nutritionist and coach specializing in plant-based nutrition, juice cleanses, and healing emotional eating. Courtney has been the supervisor at the Tree of Life Center in Arizona, teaching classes on nutrition and juice cleanses, and has recently made the move over to the UK where she now runs her own consulting business, working one-on-one with clients. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. We delve into some incredible topics, including how stress and processed foods are affecting both our mental and physical health and how we can combat this, practical tips on how to heal emotional eating, the incredible benefits of plant-based nutrition, and how we can safely use juice cleanses to reset both our body and mind. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Courtney. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I've been so excited. So we met through your husband, Perry, who I worked at pharmacy with, and Perry was incredible, all things nutrition. And then when I found out everything that you did as well, I was like, I need to talk to Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was a cool connection. Yeah, it is. And you've just moved over, well, quite recently during the pandemic over to the UK from the US. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm a new resident here. So Perry's English. He's my Englishman, as I like to say. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, we are, are, I'm here in a spouse visa, basically. So it's my new home and uh, I'm loving it so far. I haven't been able to go to many places. Um, pretty much, well, pretty much the grocery store, but I'm excited once it's all over to get out and see things. So, yeah. So it's been lovely to kind of meet some of Perry's acquaintances and get to know people. So yeah yeah well I think that as you were saying before we started the recording as soon as lockdown's over we'll be out and about going to all the vegan cafes (laughs) yep yes I know there's and there's so many to try especially in London so I'm excited yeah it's exciting so can you tell us a bit about so you specialize in three areas as a nutritionist Mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit about that and also a bit about your why what your journey is just a bit about background would be great yeah, so I, this is pretty much the only career that I've had. I started studying nutrition when I was a teenager, really. Um, and so, and then I've had my own business for, gosh, about nine, nine, how oh, I'm always so bad at the math, I think nine years, 10 years, this will been a long time. It's about 2012, I think. Um, and, uh, and then I also worked at a retreat center for a, for a long time as well, for about five years. So uh, I got into it essentially because I started having health issues. So um, when I was a teenager, I, I was about 17 and my health was pretty much falling apart. Um, I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I had, uh, had a, I think a, a number of different autoimmune issues, including uh, Epstein-Barr virus. And I had, um, I had hormonal issues and um, my body was just really falling apart. And I had gotten to a point where I was really struggling to function. I was like, especially with the, um, the energy, I would have these situations where I'd, you know, have 10 hours of sleep and then wake up just absolutely exhausted as if I hadn't slept in two weeks. 
I'd struggle not to fall asleep, like in the shower. I mean, in class, like <laughs> it, was, it was really bad kind of situation. And I was going to different doctors um, by that point and like, you know, what is going on with me? And all the doctors I went to were just like, well, we don't really know. It's unfortunate, but like, here's, there's medications you could go on. So we'd recommend this medication or that medication. And I was like, uh, well, <laughs> I'm 17 and I feel like this shouldn't be what's happening with my health. Like, this doesn't seem right. Um, and I also kind of simultaneously to that was starting to try to deal with different eating issues that I'd had. So I had developed these health issues um, that were probably in part developed by the diet that I'd had up until that point. Um, and all of my life before that, I was really uh, what I understand now to be really kind of a food addict, um, binge eater, you know, being really like just into junk food. Um, really, uh, since I was really little, like I have memories of certain, you know, sort of binge eating sort of behaviors, like five or six years old. Um, and I had struggled with weight a lot and weight fluctuations and um, just in general had a really poor diet um, in large part due to those food addictions that I had. And so, um, so I was struggling with this and really not wanting to, you know, go on a bunch of medications, not wanting to go down that route. I was like, sure, there must be some kind of explanation for things. Um, and and then also kind of realizing like, oh, like I've got some eating issues. Um, in high school, I had most of my life, the binge eating has been the problem. I really kind of used food as a drug, but I had one year in high school where I was very restrictive um, and lost weight. And then, you know, um, so there's been kind of different iterations of it. Um, but uh, I, the first thing that happened actually was at the time, um, the documentary, some, some old school kind of people who've been in nutrition for a while might remember this, but there was a documentary called um, Supersize Me <laughs> that came out that was all about like basically how fast food is bad for you. Um, and at the time, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so I had someone else actually showed me that documentary and I watched it. And I, at the time I was in high school, I was actually a high performing athlete. I was a swimmer and a water polo player. And, um, and we would go out for fast food all the time after meets and games and, you know, with the team. And so my first introduction was like, oh, maybe fast food is not the best, you know, thing for me to have having four times a week. Um, and so that was kind of my first step. And what was funny is just making that change earned me kind of like the health nut title. <laughs> like all I was doing was just like, not eating as much fast food and everyone was like oh my gosh <laughs> you know you're a health nut now and then and then i had a friend who gave me this um book kind of about natural health it was it's about plant-based nutrition specifically but it was just about things that at the time i had no idea like i just i didn't have any idea that soda was bad for you i didn't really understand the benefits of drinking a lot of water and getting enough sleep and I didn't understand the difference between, you know, organic food and non-organic food. Um, I didn't really, I don't think I really even understood that you should really eat vegetables. I mean, it's like, this is the thing that people say, um, <laughs> but I didn't really believe it would have much impact. And 
So I read this book and I started making more changes and I started noticing those health issues that I had really improving a lot. Um, I was still dealing with the binge eating side of things and the overeating, but the quality of my nutrition changed, some of my other habits changed, and I started feeling a lot better. Um, and then eventually I came across a book that I still recommend to everyone. I found it in a library, um, a book called The Food Revolution by John Robbins, and um, read that, and it talked all about plant-based nutrition uh, from all different angles, the health side, the um, ethical side, animals, human rights, environment. And I just had this huge emotional connection to it. It was like, for some reason, it was just the right time. And I was really open to it. And I really connected to it kind of like in a heartfelt way. And I was like, right, I'm going to go vegan. <laughs> I'm going to go plant-based. At the time, plant-based actually wasn't really a term, but I'm going to go vegan. So I, um, it took me about a month to give up, you know, kind of meat and um, fish and things like that. Uh, and pretty much gave up dairy and eggs and everything else as well. Um, but because I was still dealing with the binge eating and the food addictions, um, there were times where I'd have like, you know, if somebody would offer me a cookie that had some milk in it, I would say yes. And it took me about a year to kind of fully let go of that as well. Um, but about a, gosh, probably about a year after being vegan um, and working through some different emotional kind of issues as well. I'm a big believer that our physical, um, our physical challenges can have emotional roots in them as well. So this combination of wellness approach that I was doing, um, when it's been about a year, all of my health issues were gone, all of them. Um, there was nothing, like nothing left. I felt amazing. And so, um, so that really sparked an interest for me. And, you know, I really had this feeling like, how do people not know that they can heal, you know, there's all these people out there who think their only answer is surgery or drugs or, you know, that there is no way to really feel better and they just have to kind of cope with what what's happened and um, and I just felt really passionate about helping other people know that this kind of thing was was possible. And so I started really diving into that world um, and this was about 2005 or 2006 and so Back then there weren't quite as many sort of formal education programs that you could go and learn about these things. So I ended up going to a retreat center and studying with um, the people there. There's some doctors that ran these retreat centers and I was there for about five years and um, really was working on my own health. Um, they specialized in juice cleansing there. So I saw thousands of people go through juice cleanses um, and learned a lot about plant-based nutrition uh, and then meanwhile, I was also trying to deal with this lifelong binge eating and food addiction that I'd had. Um, and I had gotten, it had gotten worse over my, over the years. And I had um, really gotten to a point where, um, you know, I would be that person who would eat like in one day, you know, eat like a whole jar of peanut butter followed by a whole box of cookies, followed by a whole loaf of bread, like really, really kind of getting drunk on food, really. Um, I've never been a drinker. I've never been a smoker. Like food was my, my thing. Food is my way of like my vice, you know? Um, and so really was working on that as well. And that was a long, that was a long journey. That was in a lot of ways, a lot harder, <laughs> way harder than, uh, you know, just changing my diet was kind of unraveling the, 
the um, food addictions and why I had them and where they came from and an understanding that some of my health issues had actually come from the fact that I was this food addict who only ate junk food and, you know, um, kind of it, the poor nutrition that resulted from that, those binge eating tendencies and those junk food addictions. Um, and uh, yeah, and really was working on that and was able to heal that really. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm perfect with food. I still have my moments where I'm like, mm, don't really want to feel that. I think I'm going to go find a vegan cookie. Um, but compared to the things that I used to do, I feel like I'm probably like, you know, 95% improved from that place. And that sparked a lot of passion in me as well, because I know firsthand what it feels like to feel like you're kind of drowning in that addiction. Um, and I, there's some good info out there, but there's a lot of stuff that's not very helpful. And, um, and so that became, you know, once I had healed a lot of that, I can't, became very passionate about also helping people with those tendencies. Um, and I do work with a lot of people who have um, the same kind of level of food addiction that I, that I had. Um, but I also work with a lot of people who are much more mild than my case, you know, who, who maybe just are struggling with a, a bit of excess or, you know, notice there's, there's a bit of an attachment to a certain food or drink that might be compromising their health or kind of affecting their life in some other way. Um, yeah, so, and then I ended up uh, feeling like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I created my own business. And like I said, I've been doing that since about 2012 and um, working, mainly working with people since the retreat center, I've mainly been working with people one-on-one -on -one through coaching, um, through Skype and Zoom and, and things like that, which is, which is lovely because it means that I can work with people anywhere, anywhere in the world, um, which I have. I've worked with people in Australia and South Korea and Bermuda and you know, all kinds of places. And uh, so essentially what I do in my business now is I coach people, like you said, in three areas. Um, one is plant-based nutrition. So as a person who's been vegan for about 15 years, um, I definitely understand how to do that well and how to um, keep it sustainable and you know, address the challenges that people have. Uh, and then I also work people on the healing emotional eating and compulsive eating. And then the third area is juice cleansing. Um, and juice cleansing was a tool that I discovered towards the beginning of my, my own wellness journey. And it really helped me heal physically um, a lot. Uh, I think of juice cleansing as kind of getting out of your body's way <laughs> so that it can kick in and do its normal healing, uh, healing processes. So it's helped me heal a lot physically, but also um, it actually has helped me a lot with healing the food addiction, actually, because, um, and this is a whole topic we could dive into quite deeply, but long story short, you can approach juice cleansing in a way where you really look at it as an introspective um, self-reflection kind of space. And then having that kind of bird's eye view on your relationship with food because you're on the juice cleanse and you're not really having a lot of solid food or any food um, can actually help you have a lot of realizations about what's going on there. So, so that's something I work with people as well. Not everybody that I work with on juice cleanses is really focused on the compulsive eating. For some people, it's just about their skin or their energy or um, you know, kind of trying to figure out some kind of food sensitivity that they have. Um, 
So it's a quite a range that I get to do in my business and I, I really enjoy it. So that's, that's kind of the overview for my history. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, I think that it's so important, the work that you're doing just in terms of there seems to be a lot of shame around mm -hmm. things like this. And we were talking when you were talking about the fast food and supersize me, I completely, that was a big turning point for me. It was when probably around 2009, I used to go to McDonald's, we used to go and get the chicken dippers and mm. the, you know, the happy meals and things like that. And it was a treat or we had pizza hut. I don't know if you had yep, pizza yeah. hut. You did have pizza. So I think that that was the kind of food that I grew up on. And it was going from that to then having this era of the supermodels and having to be a size zero. Yeah. And then it was the sort of calorie tracking era where it was diet Coke. We had yeah. diet foods, slim foods, sweeteners instead of sugar, low calorie. Right. And it was straight into that. And I, I see that we've become so detached from food now that it's just like a numbers game. And I know that you've been vegan for, is it 15 years now? Yeah, about 15 years, yeah. That's like quite unique as well. So I, I wrote down yeah. the food re the food revolution, the book yeah. that you read. Yeah. So what can you tell us a bit about that book and what was it inside of you? Because to go from, yeah. you know, eating sort of fast food and things like that to going completely vegan, that's quite a big transformation. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's a great book. It's been, I don't, I've leafed through it since then, but I haven't read like reread it thoroughly, which I would actually like to do at some point. But what I loved about that book um, and that book and that author, John Robbins, still has some of my favorite quotes on on veganism um, and a plant based diet that I've ever found. I could probably dig up some and kind of impromptu and share some. But so he covered what I loved about the book is he covered, like I said, all aspects of the benefits of going vegan. So he covered the health benefits, he covered the um, issues with animals, what really happens to animals in that process, uh, what happens to the environment and the environmental impact, and also human rights issues, which I think is probably the area that is the least talked about in terms of the benefits of a plant-based diet, but he actually went into that. It was really well-cited, really well-scientifically researched, um, just you know, the, the, the part of the book that has all the references is just huge. But also he had this great, uh, really heartfelt kind of uh, way that he wrote. So it wasn't just pure science and facts. It was also just these really lovely invitations to be a part of something bigger and be a part of something that could heal the world. It was very non-shaming. Um, it was very, just, just very inviting and very kind of, um, yeah, just heartfelt. And I think that at that time I was, so I, at that time I was kind of in the thick of like sort of the eating disorder behavior. And when I say that, I mean, both binge eating disorder and also restrictive behavior. And I also had been diagnosed with severe depression. Um, and I was really lost in my life. Like in the U S at that age, you're kind of, uh, planning to go to university or college. Um, as we sometimes call it. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I, I felt it was like everybody else was kind of looking ahead about their life. And at the time I kind of felt like I had this weird sensation, like my life was sort of at, at its end or something like that. It was very like anticlimactic. Um, and I think that just that book at the time 
um, it really made me feel like, oh, my actions do matter in the world. Like what I do does matter. And here's this thing that I can make this huge difference in. Because, and I think a lot of people, you know, teenagers at that point, I, I imagine a lot of us struggle with like, how can I make a difference? What does it matter? Or at least, I don't know, I have those kind of existential feelings. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was like, oh, your diet, like what you choose to eat and it, it, it can change, like it can impact the world so much. Like I was just blown away by it. And I think at the time it really gave me this sense of purpose, like, uh, you know, I can make a difference. I can, I can impact the world positively. I can, um, and I can heal myself, you know, maybe there's some kind of hope for me. Um, and so I think that it was like, it was like the right time. And, and I just remember reading this book and especially when they were talking about the, um, the animals and the environmental impact and especially the human rights impact. I mean, I just remember like crying through the whole book after having probably not cried my whole life, <laughs> most of my whole life. And then this book was just like, so I think that it probably, you know, it linked to other things that were going on for me, like emotionally, but it was kind of the perfect storm. And I, I really kind of opened my heart to it. And, um, and then, yeah, I guess I just had that emotional shift. And then of course I saw that um, my personal health changed so much eating that way. So I was like, well, that's, most, you know, the convincing that I need. Um, and, uh, you know, went to some animal sanctuaries, met some cute cows and was like, yep, <laughs> I don't know. It just was all kind of really solidified for me and, and learning how to create plant-based food and, um, and developing those skills to kind of realize like, oh, actually this can be just as tasty as anything that I had before I was vegan. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, and I plan to be vegan the rest of my life. So that's where it's at. That's amazing. I think that it's a really unique take on how you've looked at this using the three different and bringing it all together, the three different elements. For someone that's listening to this and they might be resonating with some of the issues that you've experienced, what would you say is the first step to going towards something have you used plant-based nutrition because you've learned where food actually comes from yeah well i think the key is to learn about all aspects of it so i always tell people you know because a lot of people enter into it or they are open to it from a particular angle a lot of people it's health you know for me initially what i was looking for was improvement in my physical health um, but I really recommend that everybody look into all aspects of it, you know, so, so go for books uh, that do cover all aspects of it or kind of, you know, look at resources where one has, has um, some aspects and then you go find another that has another aspect. There's obviously some good documentaries out there, which um, are great because you can just sit down for an hour and a half or something and, and kind of learn some stuff. Um, and, you know, I've, uh, having been vegan for so long, I've never maybe in the beginning a little bit, but I've never really been the like judgmental vegan who goes to protests or kind of like makes people feel bad about, <laughs> about things. And I think that, you know, that book that I had read was, was very much like that. And I think that that was much, um, much better of an approach. And so, um, so I just encourage everyone really to kind of look at some resources and, um, and, and open their minds to it. And, you know, especially the animal stuff can be really hard to learn about but 
it is also the truth. Um, and so I think it is good to, to have some understanding about that. And, um, and I think that, um, you know, in working with people in plant-based nutrition I'll, over the years as well, I think sometimes there's these blocks that people have to it, um, you know, related to like, what is everybody else going to think of me? I'm going to be the weird one in the room. I'm going to be, you know, the odd one out. Um, and, uh, and those kinds of challenges, like, I think that the, sometimes the social challenges are often the hardest part for people about um, going vegan or going plant-based. And so sometimes there are those kinds of feelings that you have to work through and those kind of dynamics that you have to work through to kind of like stick to it. Um, and so that's something I talk with people about sometimes too. Amazing. Are you able to share maybe a story of when you first started, maybe some of the problems some of your clients are struggling with? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get a, a mix of people. Like I said, sometimes they're people who are more interested in purely the physical health side of things. So not everybody I work with, I even necessarily talk about emotional eating with. Sometimes we're just, um, I'm coaching them through a juice cleanse, or we're talking about how to tweak their diet to better suit their, their goals. Um, and we, we can do that in a multitude of different ways. Um, but so sometimes I get people who are struggling, like say with the physical side, they might be struggling with low energy or they feel like they've got a little bit of extra weight that doesn't really feel like it's the most healthful for them um, or, you know, skin issues, uh, inflammation, um, these kinds of things. I also, the retreat center I worked at, one of their specialities was uh, working with people with prediabetes and diabetes, type two diabetes. Uh, and then for the last three or three, three and a half years or so, I've also been working with a company where they kind of contract me to coach some of their clients. And they're actually a, a, a company that teaches plant-based nutrition to people with diabetes and prediabetes. So I've gotten to see a lot of how cleansing and plant-based nutrition can help people in that situation too, um, people with blood sugar related issues. And it's, it can just be super, super effective. Um, and so those kinds of issues, and then I also get people who um, are aware that they have some kind of emotional eating issues. So they find my website or they find my YouTube channel or they find me somewhere and they're like, right, I know that I've got this health issue and, or sorry, this emotional eating issue. And a lot of times it's resulting in health issues. Like they might have something like prediabetes or um, some kind of way that they're not feeling well physically and they know that it's because they're binge eating or they're kind of only eating junk food, but they kind of have the self-awareness to be like, oh, <laughs> there's a deeper thing going on here. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of times there are people who have tried a lot of diets um, and they've tried a lot of approaches and they've experienced that yo-yo thing where they try it and then they go back and um, it's hard for them to sustain it. And, you know, those, I, the statistics of people who like go on a diet and then um, go back to their old way of eating or lose weight and then regain it after their diet. I mean, this, I think the statistics are somewhere in like 80s, 90% of people. Um, so a lot of times people are aware, some of the people I work with, they're aware that that is probably an issue. And a lot of times they've kind of come to the point where they realize like, ah, <laughs> I might need to look into some, to this, like in a little bit different way, you know, um, I might need to look at kind of the underlying root causes of this rather than kind of just constantly trying to change only my behavior. 
uh, or only my nutrition, which is certainly a part of it. Um, but a lot of times people realize there's more to it than that. Wow. Don't you think it's so crazy how diet culture is at the moment and how it's evolved over the last even 20 years? Yeah. It's, it's mad because I think that diets just aren't that when you look at it from an out, you take a step back and you see someone who is trying to, you know, cut themselves into 1200 calories a day or keto diets. There's my, one of my friends went on a keto diet recently. And I think that it just makes you so disconnected from your body, from how you're feeling. And you kind of have this barrier where it just goes to the numbers again. It's like the macros and the post. Do you have, what is your approach with obviously juicing and plant-based nutrition? Do you prescribe meal plans or do you teach people how to reconnect with their bodies or is there a mixture of both? What kind of approach do you take? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I do both. Um, so what I've found is that it's the best, the, like having been vegan for 15 years, one thing I have seen is that there's a multitude of different ways to do a vegan diet. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different variations of different macro uh, combinations that people do or different focuses that they have. Um, and if I've seen anything over the 15 years, it's that different things work for different people. Um, you know, I'm personally vegan for the ethical reasons. Uh, and so, you know, that's a kind of a hard line for me. Um, and that's what I know in terms of being able to recommend stuff for people and where my expertise is. But, um, but I like an approach where I can educate people on kind of the basics of, of plant-based nutrition and sort of the foundations of, in terms of looking at all the different types of sort of vegan diets out there. What are the things that haven't that, that they have in common. Um, so in other words, most of the plant-based diets that I've seen work well for people, the main thing that you eat ideally would be vegetables. <laughs> um, and so having those kinds of basic understandings, and I certainly educate people about protein and work with them and kind of what their activity level is based on how much and relate that to how much protein they should have. And um, so I often do come up with uh, general guidelines for people and sort of meal plans where, where we work out what ideal meals are, but it just, it varies so different, uh, so much between different people. So if I work with, you know, um, uh, someone who is going to the gym all the time and lifting weights, they're going to have really different needs. Even if they're trying to do a vegan diet, they're going to have really different needs than a person who I'm working with who's in their 60s and is a type 2 diabetic and is trying to heal that through a plant-based diet. Um, so it can vary a lot per person, but I like to kind of tailor uh, the actual diet to the person's needs, which can vary person to person, but then also, also help people understand that they can connect with their own body and have that be something that guides them. So like I used to be back in my restrictive days, I was an obsessive calorie counter and, you know, tried a bunch of different sort of like outside in approaches, you know, where it's not about connecting with your body. It's just about the calories or the plan. And there's often not really a lot of logic about whether that's actually healthy. Um, <laughs> you know, whether that's actually a healthy thing for your innards, your insides, um, and I really like to help people connect from the inside out. So 
just as an example of that, one of the things that I'll often do when I work with people, and this might be a, a little takeaway that people who are listening can go and try. Um, and this is based on a technique that I read from an author named Janine Roth, who actually, her focus is actually healing emotional eating, um, not so much the nutrition side, but she has a, a kind of an approach where she talks about um, rating your hunger on a scale of one to 10 before you eat and after you eat. Um, and then actually writing it down and kind of keeping a bit of a food journal, not about calories, but more about hunger. And I find that to be such a valuable thing because um, a lot of us, like that's not, well, anybody who's like me, when you're growing up, like a lot of people don't even learn about hunger. <laughs> I actually have a video where I talk about how I looked up the word hunger in a dictionary when I was about 16 or 17, because I realized I don't think I ever eat because of hunger. Like I was always overeating, but I didn't know what hunger felt like. So I was hoping that the dictionary des description might describe what it felt like physically. Cause I just suddenly had this epiphany that like, that's not what I eat or why I eat. And even when I was restricting, that was all about the calories. It was, you know, and, um, and I wasn't ever connected to my body kind of from the inside out. I wasn't familiar with what my signals of hunger were what it felt like to be physically hungry i was um sometimes in the in the world of emotional eating people will talk about feeling almost like kind of out of body or like where you're like uh, you know you're almost like cut off at the head or maybe you're kind of hovering <laughs> a few feet above yourself like you're just not really inhabiting yourself not really in your body um and i think a lot of people try to lose weight or get healthy or do a diet based on all these external systems without incorporating any of the, the feeling based um, techniques. And, uh, and I think a lot of people are very afraid that they can't actually trust that. So I think, and I, I used to feel that way too, where you'd feel like I have to count calories or I have to follow some really specific plan that tells me exactly how many tablespoons and exactly how many cups of something to eat because I don't trust, maybe I don't trust myself, but I also sort of don't trust that any of this could be guided by my relationship with my body from an inside out perspective. So, yeah. So I like to do a bit of both. Yeah. Combining both the meal plan and the nutrition education, and then also more of the intuitive. So uh, I, I kind of have a different approach than the sort of traditional intuitive eating, but in the sense of just being connected to your body and connected to your body's signals, what your body feels like from the inside out when it's hungry, when it's not, and these kinds of things. I think that's incredible. And also something so simple, it's actually quite revolutionary because so many people focus on the numbers. Yeah. How much do I weigh stepping on the scales in the morning? putting yeah. food into my fitness pal and things like that and yeah. people have maybe lost connection with their food and their bodies yeah and you know uh even just from my personal experience i mean um i'm a person now who doesn't really have a lot of like i don't really have specific health issues that i have to eat to try to heal um and i'm not you know trying to do any bodybuilding competitions or you know so there's different things that i you know if you were in that situation you might have some different requirements but you know for me like i've been vegan like i said for 15 years i've never had any issues with it i've 
not aware of any deficiencies. Granted, I haven't really gotten tested, but I haven't gotten tested because I feel great all the time. Um, and like, if you asked me how many calories I had yesterday, I, I couldn't tell you, like, I, I don't know if you asked me the macros, maybe if I went back, I kind of like calculate it, but I don't, I don't know. I just know the general principles about, you know, generally the kinds of things you need to eat to feel balanced. And I also have, have different experiments that I've done just with myself um, personally to kind of figure out what feels best for me. Um, and, you know, never having any issues. And I think a lot of people, when they go to a plant-based diet, um, again, it's different if you've got some of these specific health issues, but for people who don't, sometimes I think there can still be a fear that somehow something terrible is going to happen if you're not like super precise and like kind of worrying about every teaspoon and, and all these kinds of things. And in my experience that for most people, that's not the case. Are you able to shed some light on what exactly does happen when someone completely goes cold turkey on calorie counting and weighing themselves? And yeah. are you able to share maybe a bit of your experience and maybe one of your clients' experience? What actually does that healing process look like from the outside? Yeah, it's well, it's a multifaceted process. There's a lot of things that go on. Um, and I think the first thing that that happens is a lot of fear comes up. Like I said, fear where you feel like, well, I have to have these external systems to keep me in line. Um, because a lot of people, especially who have um, come from that diet culture, the yo-yo, maybe the emotional eating, uh, sometimes people just come from the overeating background. They don't yo-yo at all. <laughs> they're just, you know, it's kind of been excessive consistently and they're trying to deal with that. And then other people have more of the yo-yo where it goes back and forth between excessive and restrictive and then excessive and restrictive. Um, but I think the first thing that often happens is a lot of fear that I need these external systems. I need the weighing myself every day or I need the calorie counting every day or um, because if I don't, I'm going to go crazy with food. And I kind of, I feel like, you know, things like um, my fitness pal and these kind of um, trackers can be helpful for some people, especially from a health perspective, if they're kind of trying to learn about plant-based nutrition or, you know, they are trying to eat for a certain level of physical activity and they kind of want to understand more of what's going on. I think that can be a good tool. But a lot of the people that I work with are using it more, a lot of people that come to me anyway, are often using it more out of this fearful place of like, like they feel like a bull in a china shop and they feel like I've got to put some reins on here because if I don't, it's just going to be a disaster. Um, and so a lot of times the first thing that happens is that people have these kind of fears that, that come up. And what I try to do with people in that place is really start the education process about what the real causes of compulsive eating um, are. And I believe that they're all about emotions and how we feel and our relationship with ourself emotionally and um, things that might've happened to us and whether we're connecting to those things or not, kind of how we deal with day-to-day -day, um, things that trigger us emotionally and try to help people understand that there's a reason why they sometimes go overboard with food. Because a lot of times the restriction that people do is partly to try to compensate for the overindulgence that they're having. 
But I try to help people understand there's a reason why that overindulgence is happening. Um, and that that reason, those reasons, those root causes are actually healable, something you can heal, not overnight, but over time you can heal it. And then in that place, you can, you can get to a point where you don't need to be so afraid of yourself and afraid that if you don't have these external systems that you know, you're just going to go off the deep end with food and your health is going to get worse or you'll gain a bunch of weight or something like that. Um, and so, you know, some people are willing to kind of take the leap of moving from the calorie counting, the external systems into the internal systems. Um, and then some people, we kind of do a bit of a mix. <laughs> so some people aren't quite ready to let go of some of those external systems yet. And so what I do with those people is say, okay, well, if you feel like you just are going to have a panic attack about the idea of not having calorie counting, then, you know, if you want to keep doing that for now, let, that's okay. But let's also talk about these other things, these other potential root causes of why these tendencies are there. Um, and, and, you know, be able to kind of let go of that fear and that control and, once people have had some experiences where, you know, maybe they finally connect to some suppressed emotions that they've been kind of avoiding for a long time. And then they realize like, oh, all of a sudden I don't feel like I need to binge on chocolate anymore. That's interesting. So they have that kind of experience or they have an experience where they have a day where they didn't calorie count and they didn't weigh themselves, but they did eat pretty well, even without those external systems. And um, once you have a few of those experiences, I think it starts to build your faith like, oh, maybe this other way is actually possible and is um, realistic. It's a, it's a practical, effective <laughs> way of going about it that actually can get you to where you want to be in terms of your um, inclinations with food. That's amazing. I think it's so, it's so interesting for me to hear this. I think that I've read recently a book called The Slow Down Diet, and it's not mm. actually about a, a diet, but have you read it before? Or? No, I haven't. That's interesting. Yeah, what's it's, it about? It's really good. Um, it's, it's basically about calories and how they actually work in your body and how yeah. we are now in this era on overdrive. We're too busy. Yeah. We are so disconnected with our bodies. We're so disconnected with our food we calorie count all the time and then it kind of breaks down. Um, it talks about the breath and how mm. your breath affects the digestion of your food and how many of your calories you're actually absorbing. And then also like mindless eating and it has um, tips on how to be mindful and aware. And we're just so distracted by technology and yeah. um, worries and stresses and you know, just day to day, like our lives are so different. I think in this moment in time, we're more isolated, more disconnected, but also more connected than ever to technology. We can, you know, we've got our telephones pinging constantly. Um, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I think that it's so important what you do because you actually allow people to slow down. And I don't think it's possible if you are struggling with something like this, I think it's extremely hard to heal something like this on your own. I think you need someone coaching you through it. And I say this from my perspective as well, when you can read books and you can have this, but 
if you don't have someone, especially someone like you, that's been through this experience, and I myself am connecting with it, and I think that I've I've got girlfriends that are coming into my mind that I know have, and a lot of the time we just kind of like you know stuff it down, literally just kind of like don't. Yeah. And that's why I think it's it's incredible, but it is that education. I think once you know something, you can't unlearn it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with, with slowing down. I mean, I think that, uh, in order to tune into your body, you have to slow down and have more of that quiet space in order to learn your body's hunger signals. You have to do that. Um, and in order to connect with ourselves emotionally, which is so much of the way that you can heal people who have the emotional eating can heal that, um, that requires space and time too. (laughs) So it is, it's, it's hard to do if we're kind of like, distracted and busy and running around and never have a minute and you know these kinds of things so it's important to cultivate at least some of that space um sometimes i tell some people will be like well i don't have time to do those you know to connect with myself emotionally or to try to feel my body and feel how i'm feeling from the inside out and i go well can you do it when you're in the shower you know can you do it when you're doing dishes can you do it when you're driving like when you're doing kind of these, even these other kind of more mindless activities where you can just, while you're doing them, really try to connect. And then if possible, also take some, you know, concerted time out for different, um, different uh, techniques that can help you connect. What in your experience is the main cause of emotional eating and disconnection with our food? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a few things that go on. I think when it comes to the disconnection with our food, I think a lot of that is just miseducation, really. Like, you know, where, like in in the US, we grew up with this thing called the USDA food pyramid, (laughs) which is kind of like, mainly you need bread. And then after that, you have your meat and your dairy and, you know, and you have these, we've got advertising and we've got kind of the cultural acceptance of what the right way to eat is and what the healthy way to eat is. And, um, and I think some of that's just miseducation. And so, and so, and that's nothing we need to blame ourselves for, excuse me, for, or get down about ourselves on. Um, And that's part of why that, you know, book and some of the research I did, especially at the beginning was so impactful because I was like, how did nobody (laughs) teach me this? I had no idea that, you know, it felt like the matrix or something. It was really, um, really trippy to kind of, start learning how different the truth is um, from what I was taught. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of nice feelings that come from learning about the truth about nutrition and starting to eat whole foods, plant-based and, you know, eating vegetables and eating fruits and, um, and, and understanding how to prepare them in a, in a delicious way as well. Um, cause I don't know about you, but the way I grew up with vegetables, sort of no wonder that I didn't like them <laughs> with the kinds of ways that I ate them. So I think that in some ways the, that's a lot about miseducation. Um, and so in that case, it's, it's a lot about just seeking that education and learning and reading books and listening to podcasts and, um, learning everything that you can and starting to, I think there's a lot of joy that can come from a really good salad, <laughs> you know, um, a really good salad and, and just the knowledge that, you know, like, okay, this way of eating is a lot more sustainable 
for the planet. It's a lot more, um, it's going to be nourishing my cells, knowing that you're, you're doing something that is sort of really self-loving. I really consider healthy eating to be a form of self-love and self-care and self-responsibility. And I think there's a lot of, um, reward that comes from that. And, um, I know that that was a big shift for me. Definitely. It's a little hard to put into words, but it's kind of the shift between the way I grew up, which similar to what you were saying was like McDonald's and, you know, uh, pizza hut and, um, just whatever you just have, you're just disconnected from what your food is, where it comes from. You're disconnected from any knowledge about kind of like how it's affecting you on the inside. Um, and learning about all that can be really empowering and fulfilling and, and just make you have this satisfaction of, of being more self-loving, I think. Um, in terms of the root causes of emotional eating, I'd say for most people, that's a little bit different. Um, to some extent, there can be um, kind of an education factor there. Like, so what I mean by that is, um, I think culturally, we kind of have a general acceptance that, uh, in certain situations, you should emotionally eat <laughs> or you should have some junk food, you know? It's the, the kind of typical like, you know, guy, uh, girlfriend gets break, broken up with from her boyfriend and she's, you know, sobbing in bed, eating a pint of ice cream. And in those situations, everybody's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's what you should do. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's normal. Um, but I think that, uh, a lot of what the emotional eating is really about, especially for people who have the more kind of um, uh, severe behavior like I had, is it's a lot about uh, having a challenge with connecting to our emotions um, and especially connecting with emotions that we consider negative or that are more painful or uncomfortable. So our emotions of fear, our emotions of anger, our emotions of sadness and loneliness. I think that uh, there's a, a pandemic of emotional disconnection <laughs> that is kind of worldwide as well. And, um, and in that place, and, and a lot of us have done this from a very young age, um, we use food or maybe certain drinks to help us kind of control a certain amount of that emotion that we feel we can't cope with. Um, or to suppress some amount of that emotion. Uh, and a lot of times that is kind of modeled to us uh, in our families or in society, kind of the way that other people deal with their emotions with food sometimes becomes a way that we take on and start realizing that is, that's something that we can do as well. Um, and so when I'm working with people on binge eating or healing emotional eating, I'm working with them a lot about how they, how, how connected they are with themselves emotionally. Um, you know, I remember when I first started looking into that for myself, I realized like kind of similar to what I was saying, where I was saying, um, I didn't know what it felt like to feel hungry. Like I, I was so sort of disconnected that I didn't know what that feel, felt like. I also was in a place where if you were to ask me how I was feeling emotionally at any one point, I probably would have been like, I don't know. Like I, I wasn't, I was, I was, I didn't think about it. I was sort of zoned out of it all the time. I wasn't with myself. And, um, and there were, there were reasons for that, you know, how, that, that I was like that, but it's like so much of it about kind of coming home to ourselves emotionally and 
and looking at what um, you know what's really happened to us in our life. A lot of the people that I work with um, had elements of their childhood that maybe weren't as um, didn't feel very good for them. Um, and you know, some people I work with had have had quite severe abuse, and so there's that situation that can sometimes create some of these emotional eating issues. But for a lot of people that I work with, it's more like there's just some certain things in their childhood that may not have been as loving as they thought. And there's some damage from that, that they've never really let themselves explore. And then there's been this kind of coping mechanism with food and drinks that has, has been there to try to help them kind of um, zone out of that. And so that's a lot of the work that I do with those people as well as kind of looking at, at, yeah, at their emotional connectedness. And, and if, if it's not, if there's not a lot of emotional connectedness, why that is and, um, and how to reconnect to that instead. And do you think that juicing, I know that I'm so excited because I will just mention that we're hosting um, together and with Charlotte doing yeah. a juicing and yoga retreat this Sunday, which I'm so excited about. And I'll talk a bit about that at the end. But with juicing, um, yeah. do you think that this gives space for someone to really kind of forget about food and not have to think about food and reconnect with how they're feeling? And what was your first experience of a juice cleanse? Was it at the Tree of Life retreat where you were? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did, I kind of did some other sorts of cleanses, not juice cleanses. There were other types that I sort of tried. They were more like, uh, kind of like raw food cleanses or just other types of things. But my first juice cleanses were at the center, yeah. And, um, and you know, juice cleansing is an interesting thing because I... I feel like it can either help you heal emotional eating or sometimes it can not as be as helpful and it kind of depends on the intention. <laughs> so it really um, depends on going into it with a feeling of, okay, I want to connect to myself um, and I want to connect to how I'm feeling, even if whatever is going on under the surface is a bit uncomfortable or there's it's a bit painful, I want to connect to myself. And um, in that way, a juice cleanse can be such a great environment for that reflection. And so that's what it was for me and subsequently what I teach uh, when I work with people in juice cleansing is to really encourage them to have that intention. Um, when I, so I actually, <laughs> I actually did a 60 day, 60 something day juice cleanse about, yeah. 10, 60 days, 60, two months. Yes. Wow. Um, which is not the right thing for everyone, but I, you know, I was at a center, I had doctors and nurses around me and, um, I knew how to do it. And, uh, and it was a very supportive environment. Um, and I was drinking like a gallon of juice a day. So, which is, uh, for the UK, cause that's more of an American metric. So it was about four liters of juice a day. Okay. That's so, a lot of juice. A lot of juice. <laughs> I'm not starving. Um, it was a lot of juice. So uh, but anyway, uh, the physical side of how you do that or, you know, how that was is kind of a whole other story. But emotionally, um, what was great for me in that place is because I, ha up until that point, I was so compulsive with my eating. I was such a binge eater that I was sort of constantly in that food addiction, like almost all day, every day. And so I knew that doing a juice cleanse was going to kind of throw me in the deep end emotionally. And I knew that if I was going to make it through the juice cleanse without falling off of it, you know, five hours in and binging on 
a bunch of almond butter and figs or something, <laughs> which, cause I was eating kind of yeah. healthy at that point. I knew that if I was going to do that, like if I was going to not fall off and do that, that I was going to need to embrace that kind of like going into those kind of feelings and, and having it be a more introspective kind of thing. And, um, and it really was, uh, like I was able to really kind of stick to being connected with myself, um, letting whatever emotions came up. I sometimes call it emotional detox. You know, it's like, we can have this physical detox, but we can also have this emotional detox where these things come out and you just have to let them come out and trust that that's what needs to happen. And, um, and it, it helped me really get under the skin of like why I was using food the way I was. It kind of helped me have that, like I mentioned before, that bird's eye view on like, oh, I can see now that I feel this thing about my relationship with this person, or I can, I'm realizing now maybe this is a feeling I'm having about my career, or maybe I'm, you know, having, I'm realizing this is a feeling I have about myself. It could be about all kinds of different things, relationship to self or others or other aspects of life, but it can really help you slow down and connect to those things and the disconnection from those things is often one of the reasons why we can, you know, want to have too much wine or want to have too much um, cake or something like that. And so um, it can be a really good tool of juice cleansing for um, connecting to yourself emotionally and, and looking at some of those root causes of the compulsive eating. And as much as you're willing to share, Courtney, what did it start to look like for you when you first maybe made a really healthy choice and you realized that you didn't need to do it anymore? Yeah, well, it was a process. So it definitely wasn't like um, a big epiphany. And then I kind of changed my eating was just super different for myself, having been a, you know, a food addict and a lot of people I work with, we hope that that can be the case. We want to just like have a fairy godmother come down and be like, right. And you're done. You, you know, you're healed. You won't do it anymore. So it was more of a process. It was more almost like layers of an onion. But what I noticed is that as I started doing this kind of more soul, I call it like more soul-based work, kind of on emotions and on my relationship with myself and how I really felt about things in my life and my past and, um, and, and connecting to emotions. So one of the things I always tell people is you know, we can learn a lot from two-year-olds <laughs> who are very connected to their emotions and they, uh, you know, if they're sad, they cry. And if they are angry, they punch some pillows. Um, and, you know, if they're scared, they might have a bit of a physical reaction. They're connected to their emotions. And I'm a big fan of, of going back to that, um, you know, in a private kind of self-responsible way, but started connecting to these emotions. You know, I'd been a person who hadn't cried for who knows how long. And I don't think I'd ever felt like anger properly. So I started kind of letting that type of thing happen too, privately. Um, and what I started having happen was these experiences where I'd be like, huh, I don't feel like I need to binge right now, which was like a real, <laughs> a real like weird thing. It was like, I'm just okay. Not all right. That's a bit strange. Or um, I'd have the experience where I'd feel like uh, I had the ability to say, oh, I'm not really that hungry. I'll wait another half an hour. 
which anybody who's had that kind of level of food addiction knows that that can almost seem impossible at times to just be like, oh, I'll just wait till I'm hungry. <laughs> but I started having these experiences where without trying, without forcing myself, without making myself, without beating myself into good behavior, I just started acting differently and feeling differently about food and about what I wanted to do with food. Um, I have a whole kind of a longer video on my YouTube channel about um, the first time I forgot that I had a chocolate bar. I listened to that last yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it was, a, you know, I won't retell the whole story, but it was just this incredible thing. Cause I was like, wait, I didn't try to not have the chocolate bar. I didn't hide it from myself. I didn't like, I just forgot I had it. And so these kind of like magical things that a lot of people with the food addiction kind of hope will happen actually kind of started to happen, but they weren't magical in the sense that they were happening as a result of more of that emotional work. And that's why I'm such a fan of helping people go to the root causes of why they do what they do with food. Because, um, because without that, you are often just trying to make yourself act different, use willpower, force yourself into it, shame yourself into it. And then you have the inconsistent behavior where you yo-yo, whereas it's actually possible when you heal, deal with some of the root causes and, and do some healing there, that you can just have that different behavior that is actually quite easy to maintain and easy to, to kind of act in your own best interest, which, you know, even though the emotional part can be challenging to me, I would much rather have real freedom with food where I'm not obsessed all the time. And I'm not worried about what my husband brings home and puts in the cabinet. And I'm not worried about going to the buffet with the coworkers because I'm so afraid of what's going to happen. And like, you know, that real tense state, I would much rather go through some tough emotions and deal with maybe some stuff that's a little more challenging and then really feel like truly at peace with, with food, which again, like I said, I'm still working on to some extent, but I mean, it's so much different than it used to be. And, and I'm not in anything special, you know, when I tell these stories, it's not like, look at me, how uh, impressive that's been because I, I believe that anybody can do it. And a lot of the techniques I learned were from other people who had done it. Um, but I just feel very passionate about people knowing that because I know how trapping it, like how trapped you can feel in feeling like I just keep sabotaging myself. I just keep messing up my diets and it's ruining my health and I got to stop. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like that bull in the China shop, who's just always going to be that way. And, and it's not necessarily true. Yeah, that's, that's, it's amazing to hear that it can heal. So for someone that's listening to this, that is really struggling and they sort of can't buy, you know, a bag of chocolate or something without eating the whole thing. What would you say to them in terms yeah. of what, what would you, are there any tips or not tips or tricks, but, you know, ways that they can start to make small steps towards change? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of things. So the first thing that I would recommend would be choose some resources. You don't have to go too overboard, but choose some resources that can help you really learn about uh, emotional eating. So a lot of good books out there and, you know, articles, and I've got my YouTube channel. Start to learn about it generally. 
Um, and also resources that just talk about connecting emotionally to yourself. They may not be specifically emotional eating sort of books or resources, but stuff about that. And then one of the exercises I like to give people is kind of a takeaway and kind of something immediately that they can try to implement is um, something that I developed for myself back in the day when I was trying to heal it and I've taught it to people ever since then. I call it, sometimes I call it the wedge exercise or the wedge um, kind of method. And that's basically when you're in a moment where you suspect or you know that the thing that you want to do with a food or a drink is probably more compulsive. And so by that, I mean like, you know you're not hungry physically yet, but you kind of still want to eat or um, you are noticing that you're kind of only wanting to eat say junk food or something like in the case of you're just eating like a lot of chocolate and you just know it's, hey, we all like chocolate, I eat it. <laughs> but you know that mm, maybe the amount and frequency, like there's something going on there. So if you're in a moment where you feel like something that you wanna do is potentially a bit more of an emotional eating thing or a bit compulsive is put a wedge in it. And what I mean by that is take a pause. So choose a period of time where you're going to actually delay doing that thing and choose a period of time that feels like a bit of a stretch out of your comfort zone, but isn't so much that it just is sort of too much for you. So for some people, that's literally like one minute. For some people, they might be able to do that for 10 minutes. And for some people, they might be able to do it for a bit longer. Um, but in that space, the key is to really ask yourself some questions and reflect on what's going on emotionally. So a lot of people, especially in the diet world, they try to do that first step where they just go, oh, I'll just wait, you know, and, and, a, and a lot of times what they'll do actually is like, I'll distract myself with something else. <laughs> but I'm much more of a fan of using that to actually connect with what's going on in that moment. And so I often give people three questions that you can ask yourself. And this is something you could either ask yourself in your head, or it's something that you could journal as well. So especially if you're at home and you've got access to a journal, or sometimes I tell people to get a little journal and even put it in their bag and carry it around with them um, so that they can do it impromptu. Um, and the three questions, uh, the first one is quite simply, how am I feeling emotionally right now? So it's not so much how am I feeling physically, like, oh, I'm tired or something like that. It's more, how am I feeling emotionally? Um, and again, for a lot of people, that's not something that we check in with ourselves about very often. <laughs> and that in and of itself can be a part of the problem. So the first question is, how am I feeling emotionally? Um, really, like be real with myself. Don't judge whatever that is, but how am I feeling emotionally? And then the second question is, what would I feel emotionally if I went in and I did eat this thing or I drank this thing? And so what I mean by that question is, again, not a physical thing, but an emotional thing. Oh, I would, maybe I would feel relieved or I would feel comforted or I would feel less lonely or I'd feel happy. Uh, what, what would I feel kind of, what, what, are the, what are the seemingly positive feelings that I'm trying to maybe get from that, that experience? And then the third question, which is maybe the most helpful question is what would I feel if I didn't have it. 
And it's just a hypothetical. It's not saying that you can't have it or we're putting a rule on it that you can't have it now, but just hypothetically, what would I feel if I didn't have it? So if I didn't have the chocolate or if I didn't have as much of it as I suspect maybe I wanna eat, how would I feel? Would I feel disappointed? Would I feel deprived? Would I feel controlled? Would I feel lonely? Would I feel angry? Would I feel panicked? Like what would the emotions be that I'd be kind of left with if I didn't have it? And that as often as you can do, it can really start helping to build awareness about what's driving some of those things. And then of course, once you have the awareness, you can deal with those in a different way. Um, but it's a really good exercise to do, even if you go and eat the thing anyway, like even if you go and eat the whole chocolate bar right after you do that exercise, it's still good to do the exercise because it'll build on itself over time. And sometimes you do that exercise and you actually come out of the other side of it going, oh, that's interesting. Now I don't feel <laughs> like I need it actually. So I'll move on with my day. And it actually has kind of an immediate impact on your behavior as well. Amazing. I think journaling can be so incredible and I think yeah. when you're from the outside world and you see things like this like journaling and connecting mm -hmm. with your feelings a lot why do you think there is such a shame around it and a kind of weakness have you experienced that or where do you yeah. think it comes from yeah well I think that there's a there's a general cultural um kind of resistance to feeling through emotions and then also in our families it can vary family to family as well in terms of um kind of what we're taught about emotions and you know one of the things i think is really nice is that nowadays you see in the media or just generally kind of more talk about mental health you know people talking about mental health which to me when i hear that i think of like emotions <laughs> you know an emotional connection and stuff and and it's like i think that people are starting to kind of change that a bit more. Um, but I think that, you know, we, we take on our beliefs about emotions from the world and from our family, right? So, so for example, uh, and like, I'll just ex explain a bit about my family, just to illustrate what I'm saying, um, you know, in my family, like, and this might be different from other people's family, in my family, there was just a general feeling like emotions aren't helpful. They don't do anything. <laughs> like you should and you should try to stay away from negative ones, negative ones as much as you can, right? Um, my mom had the pattern of like, oh, you're feeling an emotion that's painful. Let's bake some cookies and have you eat them and then that feeling will go away, right? So there's kind of a maybe a fear of emotion. Um, in my family, there was also especially like for women, there was a feeling like you should never be angry. It's really bad. It's really unspiritual and like really unbecoming to be angry. Um, it's maybe okay if you cry a little bit, but in my family, like, you know, anger is no good. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just different kind of dynamics like that. My parents themselves didn't really connect with their emotions, really. So I obviously saw their example and then kind of took that on. Um, and I think the challenge with that, and, and like I said, a lot of those attitudes and those beliefs are really reflect they're in society as well so you go to school and you watch the media and it's all kind of reflected everywhere um but then the problem is that i think then what happens is that because we have these like almost like these feelings about feelings <laughs> these beliefs about emotions these emotions about emotions that we have 
then we end up using kind of these compulsions or these distractions in order to tune us out from how we feel because we've taken on this idea that it's bad to feel that way or it's wrong to feel that way or you're not spiritual to feel that way and so then the compulsion say with food or certainly with other things is essentially a way that we um, kind of manage these things that we've been taught whereas my feeling is if we'd all if we all just were all right with punching some more pillows and having more cries <laughs> and you know feeling some fear like we would probably a lot like be a much healthier world you know um but i think there's this kind of collective belief that it's like it's very or yeah or in some families like you mentioned there's also feeling like you're a bit pathetic like if you have a lot of emotions like oh they're there get you know get yourself together like be an adult kind of sort of condescending feeling about being connected to emotions and so it can kind of depend on the person and the family and the society and the culture um, as to what those blocks are and kind of how emotion how open people are to feelings but um i think it's just like i could talk about the benefits of feeling feelings all day long <laughs> no this is good I, i'm like i'm loving this i'm like yeah i'm absolutely loving it please carry on <laughs> yeah yeah it's good i think that I, my take on things at the moment is that everyone has a story with their families and yeah. it's becoming more prevalent now to me. And I think that we can hold so tightly onto um, things like that. And that can absolutely create reasons. But then it's also, it's learning, being aware that we are quite um, isolated at the yeah. moment when we sort of we have our families we're not really in set communities we don't have especially at the moment lots of interactions and i suppose that yeah. not many people get the opportunity to really unpick what the truth is and also whether your values line up with say your parents values and things like that and if that you think that that is the universal truth and there is i suppose a bit of shame around it and yeah. that's why I love the work that you're doing because there's not really that readily available. Even therapy now, like for me, yoga and nutrition has been so much more. I went to therapy for stress and this was probably about four, four years ago. And I found that it just wasn't, and I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent now, but talking about lots of problems and it just felt very repetitive and I was kind of embedding it and it didn't allow to actually pick out and kind of find me I felt like I was just repeating kind of things like that so I think that it's a really nice kind of it's super friendly as well I just think your approach to everything it just makes people want to you know feel comfortable and yeah it's making me want to like I feel like I could talk to you for ages Courtney <laughs> yeah thanks I know I've yeah well I love these topics so I could too no it's really really interesting and I'm absolutely obsessed with learning about sort of people's daily habits and routines do you have can you talk a bit about what does your well pre-covid and now I suppose if you've got like a morning routine and um how you stay on track throughout the day or just how you live at the moment 
Yeah. So I have to say, I wish that I was like a model morning routine person because I love those people and I'm <laughs> not really that person. <laughs> I would like to become more of that person. So I can't say that I've got a, this great kind of intentional sequence morning routine um, that I would like, that I would recommend people model their lives after. Um, but in terms of general day-to-day -day practices and activities that really and, and I guess you could say even weekly because some of them aren't daily, but they're kind of weekly things that help me stay physically healthy and also feel emotionally healthy, you know, or take care of my mental health, if you want to call it that or say it that way. Um, on a physical basis, just really simple things, drinking a lot of water, which I'm trying to get better at. But man, when I do it, it's just like I after 15 years in nutrition, sometimes I think hydration is maybe the most underrated health practice out there <laughs> because it can just help so many things physically and also your cravings as well. Um, and it's a fairly easy thing. You know, most people don't have a huge amount of emotional resistance to drinking water compared to emotional resistance we might have about, I don't know, fried food or <laughs> sugar or something like that. So, um, you know, I think hydration is really important. And I also, with my diet, I mentioned before that I've found that for most people who, if they don't have any acute, you know, health issues, a lot of times you can be, you don't have to worry too much about um, exact amounts and details and, and stuff like that. But I just really try to focus on vegetables. I mean, in smoothies, in um, salads, in baking, steaming, uh, juicing, you know, and just really focus on that. And, you know, I'm the the type of person and this has a whole explanation from it from like with an emotional eating explanation but even on a physical basis i'm the type of person who in the same day i might have a big green juice and a vegan cookie and i don't see them as that as a problem <laughs> so i don't see it as like well the green juice is pointless because you had the cookie or because you're the green juice now you can't have like i i feel like it's um it's good to have this approach where for the most part, you're eating stuff that you know is really balanced and is vegetables and fruits and legumes and unprocessed. And then, you know, be able to have some treats here and there. And I know, like I mentioned before, that for myself, when you deal with a lot of those emotional eating root causes, you actually can have those things in moderation without worrying that you're going to go off the deep end. Um, so, you know, that's kind of yeah you know my main thing trying to get enough sleep um and then i think the other thing that helps me both with my mental health emotional health and also to help me stay on track with diet you know in in general um in terms of benefiting how i'm eating is also practices like journaling so we were talking earlier a bit about journaling i've used journaling um well, I've, I think I've got journals as young as like eight years old, but it's been like a tool that has been just so helpful for me. And I recommend it to everyone. Just, I mean, you can do journaling exercises where you take people's exercise and you kind of have more of a theme of what you're writing about, or you can just do kind of brain dumps, you know, emotion dumps um, and to stay connected to yourself. So I do a lot of journaling, um, not every day, but probably, you know, every week. Um, and that and also you know again just feeling emotions <laughs> so i 
I uh, don't see it as any problem at all if I uh, need to have a cry. And I think that feeling emotions really helps me stay um, feeling healthy emotionally and also helps me just stay connected to myself and then be much less likely to try to zone out with, with food or kind of um, certain types of drinks as well. So I'd say, you know, those are probably some of my biggest things. Journal, drink water, eat vegetables, and cry when you need to cry. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was like, yeah, it does actually feel so good. And like sometimes it does happen. Yeah. I think that I'm so excited about Sunday just to learn a bit more about the juices. So I personally yeah. have never done, I've done smoothies and things like that. But I think what I noticed, by the way, anyone listening to this, head over to Courtney's Instagram because you will see how much, or if you're watching YouTube right now, you will see how much of a glow Courtney has got. Like, <laughs> her skin is amazing. I remember meeting Perry, your husband. So I was working at pharmacy restaurant. It's a plant-based restaurant in London. And um, Perry is an incredible everything. Like he's the gardener and he knows so much about vegetables. And I remember he's got this shepherd's hut on the um, garden or on the farm. Yeah. And he would, he knew so much about um, organic fruits and vegetables and he would make, he would pick all of the fruits and veg and then he'd make a big juice. And then I was just like, this is why you're both glowing so much because, and it's incredible. And also you, I'll just share as well about, um, you had a beautiful wedding in Byron Bay and yeah. you both just look like the epitome of health. And I think if anyone is going to sell, you know, the benefits of juicing a plant-based diet, it's you guys, because yeah, you're like, glowing <laughs> yeah we uh we we met at the retreat center that I worked at it was about 12 years ago now but yeah we we're totally that couple who just like geeks out on like oh saw this new brand of protein powder and you know oh we're gonna make a juice let's make this one and like you know um yeah it's and he's growing food you know just this beautiful food and it's um yeah it's really fun it's something we really love to geek out on together yeah, it's amazing. Could you have um, maybe your favorite juice? What what do you typically put in a juice that you have every day? Ooh, yeah, so we'll talk more about this on Sunday as well mm -hmm. with those participants. But um, so one thing I recommend with juicing is always have most of the juice that you're drinking be green juice. A lot of the hesitations people have about juicing is because they're reading about the issues with fruit juice, which I actually agree with a lot of that. So the way that I go about juicing is to have the vast majority of people, or sorry, the vast majority of what people are drinking be kind of veggie juice. So um, whether you're doing a juice cleanse or if you're just kind of making the juice as part of your diet, really have it be focused on greens and veggies. So the best way to make a green juice taste as good as it can, considering it is green juice, um, is to have the base of the juice be cucumber and celery. Or maybe you, if you only have access to one, it could be just a base of cucumber or a base of celery, but ideally both. You, so you have a basis of cucumber and celery. And that, when I say a base, that might be 50, 60, 80% of the juice is actually cucumber and celery. Um, and then you top it off with other things. So for example, one of my favorite juices is a very simple thing where you do mostly cucumber and celery, and then you add um, some type of green. My, I'm obsessed with parsley and 
cilantro or coriander as you guys would call it here. So I'm like always putting parsley in my juices. So I like a, you know, a parsley and then a lot of times just some apples, you know, and uh, lemon. Uh, so another trick for green juice, making green juice palatable is to always put lemon or lime in your green juice. So you kind of have the basis cucumber and celery, and then you choose some kind of leafy green or other vegetables that you're going to add to make it even more green. So that could be kale or spinach or, um, or it could be even things like broccoli or something like that. And then you put in a little bit of fruit just to add a little sweetness and make it a little bit more drinkable, but not too much fruit. Um, and then you add some, some lemon or lime and yeah, it's really good. So if I were to go like, just make a simple one for myself, for my taste, it would be pretty much be that it'd be cucumber, celery, parsley, apple, lemon. Oh, that sounds so delicious. That sounds incredible. I had, um, carrots with ginger and lemon this morning, mm -hmm. which it was good. I'm, I'm getting into ginger. I enjoy, yeah. I used, I used to be like, oh, too much, but I crave it now. Make oh, juicing um, more accessible in the winter time. If you use things like ginger and you can even juice things like jalapenos or put some cayenne pepper in your juice at the end. And because they're warming, you know, they're warming um, sort of spices, they can help help you with the cold juice in the winter. <laughs> no, I love, I love that. And I, that's why I'm so excited for Sunday. I think a lot of people kind of go straight into juices like, oh, banana and it's all fruits and frozen yeah. berries and things like that. And I think that's the typical, but people, for me personally, I was so scared to just have vegetables. That sounds crazy, but like scared to just have vegetables in a juice. Yeah. But it tastes amazing. If you do it right, it tastes, doesn't taste bad. No, I mean, you know, it's not going to taste like cake, but you can definitely make juice that you're like, oh, this is actually quite pleasant. And, um, and you, you like, I always feel when I have green juice, I just feel like it's probably just the way I think about it, but it feels like my cells are just like soaking it up. Like, um, and it's just a nice feeling regardless of how it tastes to just know that you're really putting medicine in your body. Um, and, and, and also as uh, some people may know who have, you know, changed their diet, your taste buds can actually change over time. Um, and your green juice can actually become more palatable and taste different to you as your body chemistry changes. So wow. just hope <laughs> if you've had a trouble with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Now I love all this stuff. It's like just learning something new that like every day. So for those, do you have, um, a take on whether people should get organic or non-organic vegetables? Yeah, so I think that organic is really great. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, studies that have come out about the benefits of having an organic diet and kind of what shows up in people's bodies and their bloodstreams when they do and when they don't. Um, but I also think it's something that we don't need to have a huge amount of anxiety about. So for, for me and my husband, we we pretty much get anything organic that we can. Um, but then if there's stuff that's not organic, but we still want to, you know, have that recipe, then we'll get something like whatever the grocery store has. So, um, so most of our diet is organic, but definitely not all of it is. And we just try to do it as much as we can. Um, and yeah, so, so, and also, you know, it's actually interesting. My husband is um, studying, soil 
like basically soil biology and soil health. Um, and he's been telling me more about what he's learning about the benefits of organic farming compared to conventional farming, just for the planet, for the soil health, for the environment. And so that's kind of giving us, you know, just more of a reminder of that it's a, a good thing to do. But, but yeah, we don't worry about it. If we've got a recipe, you know, written down and we go to the produce section, like we've got a Sainsbury's near us is the closest one. And, you know, whatever the produce they have that's organic, we get it organic. And then if a recipe we're going to make calls for broccoli and they don't have bro organic broccoli, we just get whatever broccoli that they have. Um, so that's kind of how I approach it. That's good. I think that it's getting rid of that perfection mindset and just mm -hmm. doing what you can is yeah. amazing. Okay, great. Well, honestly, I've absolutely loved our chat today so, so much. Yeah. And you've given some absolute gems. And for anyone that wants to get in touch with you, so you've got your YouTube channel, your Instagram and your website. Can you just talk us through the handles and how people can get in touch? Yeah, so probably the easiest way to get in touch is my website, which is just my name, CourtneyPool.com. Uh, and then all of my social media handles are also Courtney Pool. Luckily, I got on a lot of those trains early, <laughs> so I just was able to get my name. Um, so I have Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, my main um, main social media accounts. Uh, and my last name is just spelled like swimming pool, so there's not me at the end. It's uh, C-O-U-R-T-N-U-Y-P-O-O-L. That's good. I like that swimming pool. <laughs> Amazing. Well, if anyone wants to try out, obviously this is going to be published on Thursday. It's now Tuesday, Thursday the 25th. We're hosting a retreat. It's going to be on Sunday the 28th of February. So if you're listening to this, you can contact us via Courtney's website or go onto the Modern Wellbeing website, which is modernwellbeing.co.uk. I hope you can come and join us there and just keep an eye out. We're going to be hosting some more retreats and events in the future. I'm really, really excited. I love the work that you do, Courtney. And just thank you so much for being you and just the difference that you're making. No worries. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the retreats. It's a, it's a great pairing, you know, yoga and juice cleansing, not only physically for physical health, but it, it's a really great opportunity to check in emotionally and with our relationship with ourselves too. So I think we can create some really cool things with that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed talking with you a lot. Thanks so much, Courtney. Yeah, you bet.